bow our hearts and pray. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov. B'shem Yeshua Mishikenu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come before you today, God, eager. Lord, thankful and eager, Lord, for your word. Thankful, God, that you are who you say you are. God, that as we recite every week, that none of your words is turned back unfulfilled. Father, that all your great and precious promises are yes in Messiah, and we say amen. So, Father, we give you praise today. Lord, we glorify your name, and we ask you to speak to our hearts, and more importantly, change our lives by your ruach. Lord, we're open to hear you, and we're open to change. Be glorified, we pray, in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, Yeshua, what a name, right? It's the name above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee will bow and every tongue confess, right, that he is Lord. Yeshua, the great I am. Over the past six weeks, we have been looking at the I am statements of Yeshua found in the Besorah of Yochanan, the Gospel of John. So far, we have looked at Yeshua declaring, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we conclude our series with Yeshua declaring, I am the vine. And these statements found in Yochanan are so powerful and so meaningful to us that he is trying to convey to us who Yeshua is, who he is in our lives, and that we need to see him for who he is in our life, and we need to act upon it, like Rabbi Carroll told us. Shema Yisrael, hear with intent to obey. Hear what I'm saying and put it into practice, for when you do it, when you put into the faith into practice, great things happen. When you put his words and commands into practice, things happen. Right, Fred? Great things happen when you keep believing, you keep trusting. Things happen when we obey the word. So let's look at our passage today. It's found in Yochanan 15, verses 1 through 17. Yeshua said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit Unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and is dried up. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish. And it shall be done for you. In this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I am no longer calling you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Now 
I have called you friends because everything I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I selected you so that you would go and produce fruit, and your fruit would remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. These things I command you so that you may love one another. When you think about the word of God, not long, right? Not many words spoken or recorded for us, right, in the word of God. But in just those few 17 verses, wow, it is jam-packed with unbelievable truth that'll change our life if we apply it. It resembles Isaiah's first vineyard song found in Isaiah chapter 5, which constitutes really the background of this parable. It depicts God as spading, clearing, planting, and taking care of the vineyard, only to be rewarded by sour grapes or fruitlessness. Thus, we can see why Yeshua, right, is so vital in that Only he can assure a fruitful vineyard for the kingdom of God. And so God sent the Mashiach that his vineyard would be fruitful. Don't you know that God wants you to be fruitful, right? Fruitfulness equates into a happy life. It it equates into a joyous, productive life. And so we're going to talk about three things today. So give me your best dear. Number one, Yeshua is the true vine. That's what he said. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he trims or prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Someone said that I am the true vine is the last of, obviously, Yochanan 7, I am sayings, and the only one adding a further assertion, namely, that the Father is the gardener. True vine contrasts Yeshua with Israel in that they were unable to produce fruit. And here the true vine, right, guarantees that fruit will be produced when we are connected to him. So he's contrasting the true vine and the vine that is fruitless. This in and of itself shows our desperate need for Yeshua. What Israel could not do as the vine or vineyard of God due to their inability to obey and follow God, right? Because no one could really keep the Torah 100%. Yeshua did, and by accomplishing that, he became, hear me, the attachment point. Yeshua became the attachment point for all who would desire to connect with Adonai. The other thing that is really important to note from this statement is that the true vine or the real living vine will cause the branches attached to it to bear fruit. Okay, so think of that and think of your life. Fruitfulness Okay, when we're attached to the true vine, we naturally bear fruit. In Hampton Court, there is a grapevine that is reported to be the oldest living vine, over 230 years old. This grapevine has one root, which is 3.6 meters, or 12 foot around. That's quite a vine. And some of the branches are over 36 meters or 120 feet long. Despite its age, the vine still produces 500 to 700 bunches of grapes each year. That's pretty fruitful, right? Although some of the branches are 120 feet from the main root, they still bear the sweet 
and delicious fruit because they are connected to the vine. Each branch is connected directly to the stem and draws nourishment from it. So how do we discern a real vine or a living vine from a dead one? Fruitfulness, right? A real vine produces real fruit. At my house, I have vines growing up the trees. And it's interesting from time to time when I get motivated, of course, I'll go and I'll say, I better do something about that vine. It's going to choke out that tree. So I'll go, and it's really one of the branches from the main vine, and I'll go and I'll take my clippers and I'll clip the vine right at the base of the tree. And it's funny. It kind of still looks alive for a while. But in fact, is the second I clipped it, it is cut off from the vine and it's dead. And so that vine ends up withering where it stands. A few days later, a week later, you could just pull it off the tree. That vine that was so vibrant, that was clinging ferociously to that tree, you could just now pull off the tree because it's no longer attached to the vine. You see, the branch cannot itself produce fruit. That branch cannot stay alive once it was detached from the vine. Likewise, you and I cannot produce fruit unless we abide in Yeshua. He said, likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. How many believers are trying to grunt out some fruit by all means possible, when in reality they have detached themselves from the life flow of the vine. A Yeshua deficient life can hardly be one that is abounding in fruitfulness. Yet this is the spiritual culture many are a part of. They see the kingdom of God like an iPhone. Do what you want with it. Use it to check things at your whim. And then when it runs low, you just plug it in. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. That is not the way this parable is telling us that God works. He says we must always be plugged in to the vine. We can't detach and do what we want and then later come and plug in again. He said no. We need to be constantly and consistently connected, plugged in. We are designed to be plugged in at all times. And we cannot, cannot, cannot be fruitful. Or another way of saying it is that we cannot fulfill our God-given purpose unless we are continually connected to the true vine, Yeshua. So far in our series, and here again, we are being directed to one place, one source of all spiritual power, Yeshua, the Messiah. There are some in this room that live their lives, hear me guys, void of Yeshua. Even though they might come here regularly, they are not connected to him, the true vine, on an ongoing basis. Hear me, I say this with a pastoral heart. You look at your life and you wonder why it's drying up, why there's no joy, no vibrancy, why things aren't working. Friends, if you are not connected to the vine, the true vine Yeshua, your life will never, ever bear the fruit you desire. It's like a grapevine should produce grapes, right? Wouldn't it be silly to plant it and expect anything else or expect nothing? Friends, there's some of us in this room that are looking at our lives, they're barren, and we're wondering why, yet we have not really connected. But here's the good news. Connect. Connect. 
He wants you to connect. He doesn't want to tell you this so that you move away from him. He wants you to rightly evaluate your life so you run toward him. A life deficient of Yeshua is a life deficient of fruitfulness. You see, if we are not connected to him, the true vine, on an ongoing basis, yeah, we could pop in for a visit, but when we do, we'll find out that we have no service, you know, like your iPhone. Okay, when you're trying to log in, oh, oh, I have no service, I'm disconnected. You ever get that? You have an iPhone, you're trying to connect, but no service. And let's face it, what good is that phone without service? Right? It could look good. You could have the best cover. I'll get a quick story. I have probably the best cover for my iPhone. You want to know why? Two screens later, walking downstairs for my devotions, there goes my iPhone. Shattered. The screen shattered. I said, okay. Went to the Apple store. They fixed it. Matter of fact, they gave me a new phone. Okay. For 120 bucks. It wasn't too bad, right? Then the next time I was in my garage. Okay, walking. I don't know. You know how it just happens. You bump something. There goes that phone. Did a belly flop face first right on the cement floor. Cracked. Million pieces. My wife looks at me and said, we're getting a case for that phone. So, of course, we go and get the you know, best case you can think. I could probably take my phone and throw it against the wall and it won't break. But that phone and that case, now that it's so well protected, is really useless unless it is connected. Right? An unconnected phone is useless. And so an unconnected person, if we are not connected, really connected, not fake connected, not just we're coming here for our spouse connected, not just I know about God connected, but really connected to the true vine. Then and only then can our life really produce the fruit that it was designed to bear, just like the grapevine could only produce grapes when it's connected. Unfortunately, there are many trying to get what they can only get in God from other places. But all we have to do, really, to assess ourselves is to look at the fruit God says that we should have in our lives and see if we have it. It's really that simple. This is not complicated. God's really not giving us a, um, a trick quiz. Do we have love? Love for God, love for others, love for our spouse, love for our children. Do we have love? Do we have joy? Do we have joy, peace? Do we have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control toward God and others? Do we have those? That's how we can tell if we're connected, if we're unconnected. Perhaps we're connected, but we're a little severed. And we have some of those things, but we're missing others. All we have to do is look at the fruit. The vine dresser, who is God, he says in this passage, prunes. He prunes branches so that they could grow better. You ever feel like your life has been pruned? This is what I want to tell you. Sometimes God takes things away from our life. And you don't like it, but God does. And the reason he does is because he sees down the line that if I take out of your little vine here, your branch, if I take some of these little smaller things off that branch and clear them off, we're going to have a much healthier branch. 
So God does. He removes or prunes some of those things off our life. He takes things away. Even things that we think are important. Even things that we think are must-haves. God says, no, I need to shave them off. And by doing so, we will grow. But God also removes some branches. Some branches that are just not, they're just not plugged in, they're just not working. And why does he do that? He does it for the health of the rest of the plant. For the whole plant, he'll remove some branches. Someone wrote, the vine dresser does two things to ensure maximum fruit. If you get nothing out of this parable, don't you see how many times God is probably, it's, it's, it's obvious, he's into fruitfulness, right? Read it. He talks about bearing fruit in this passage is paramount. God is looking to his vineyard. That's us, wave. He's looking for us to be fruitful. The vine dresser does two things to ensure maximum fruit production. He removes the dead branches and he prunes the others. I can tell you right now, personally, I don't like the sound of remove. It's just me. Removing doesn't sound like anything I want to be involved with, right? And pruning, although it might be uncomfortable from time to time, is an absolute necessity. How many of you pruned any trees or plants in your yard? Oh, I had this one tree. Man, this thing was growing every which way it could get his hands on, right, Carol? That thing, I said, Carol, I thought this was supposed to be a nice tree. It's the ugliest tree I ever saw in my life. So then we had one of our friends come in who is a landscaper. He said, well, the reason why the tree is so ugly is because you were supposed to prune the tree and not allow its branch to do whatever it wanted to do. Oh, that's the problem. So I sawed off some of those ugly branches, and now I have a tree that at least resembles a decent-looking tree. Pruning made the tree better. It made the tree... Now, trust me, I took off some substantial limbs off that tree. Matter of fact, I was a little nervous. I'm saying, next year I'm going to come back and we'll be pulling that tree. Because there's no way that tree is going to survive. I took off some good branches, all the ugly ones, off that tree. And now, when you pull into my... That tree looks really good. Yes, God is calling, and and he wants us to pay attention. That's what that noise is. So do you hear me? So pruning, although scary, what a scary process. Really worked out well. Look how many times God mentions bearing fruit in this passage. God is looking for you and I to bear fruit. I have, look what he says at the end of it, verse 16. Go, just jump down to verse 16 for a moment. Look what it says. In the uh, complete Jewish Bible, it says, I have commissioned you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's what he says. I have commissioned you to go and bear fruit. So when we assess our lives... We need to be looking on how fruitful we are. While the vine's purpose of existence is the bearing of fruit for its owner, and it references uh, Israel as God's vine, regularly, the word regularly stresses Israel's failure to produce good fruit. And so the Messiah needed to come on behalf of Israel, right? That now us connected to God through the attachment point of Yeshua, are able to bear fruit. Israel could not bear fruit. They were weakened in their flesh, unable to keep the commands of God. But now we, in Messiah, when connected 
have the ability to bear fruit for God. So with that in mind, it becomes important for us to abide, remain. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Say my words. Now, don't, we, we talked about this Wednesday night. The next line is stunning. If you abide in me, if you're connected, bearing fruit, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Is this a movie? Is this like a movie? You rub the bottle? I mean, is that crazy? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish. In this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is the proof that we're truly Talmudim. Fruit is the proof. The Greek word translated abide, in some translations it says remain or dwell, is the verb form of dwelling place. Right? He who dwells, right, in the secret place of the Most High, dwelling with God, being with God, are transformed from fruitless to fruitful. To abide or remain in Yeshua means several things, measurable things. So the things I'm going to give to you aren't subjective. They're very measurable. And it would be valuable for us to consider them now. To abide is to hold fast to Yeshua's teaching. You know, in Jewish thought, teaching is God's way of displaying his love toward us. That's the way God expresses his love, by teaching us the right way to go. Is it any wonder that the manifestation of God in the flesh came as a rabbi? He came as a rabbi, which means what? Teacher, to teach us how to live for maximum fruitfulness, which benefits both God, because he's looking for fruit, and it benefits your life when you're fruitful. In Yochanan 8.31, Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. The word of God is not just something that we read and gain insight from, although that's absolutely true. The word of God is alive. And when we are born anew, it courses through our souls, giving spiritual nutrition to our lives. That word, the scripture says, you know it is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and it pierces to dividing joints and marrow, right? Well, that word that is alive, okay, never gets to us when we don't read it, when we don't digest it and take it. To remain entails first and foremost holding fast to Yeshua's teaching. There is a spiritual transaction that takes place when we read the word, whether we feel it or not. How much do you feel when you go and deposit your check into the bank account? Do you get a warm fuzzy? I mean, some people might which come up and talk to me later, we'll pray about that. (laughs) But most people, not so much. You sign the paper, you send it in a thing, maybe the vacuum, although you try to, there it goes, and you don't think twice about it, and you leave. No warm fuzzy, nothing. But a transaction took place. 
Same is true with the Word of God. You may or may not feel anything, but guess what? When we read and look to obey Yeshua's teaching, a spiritual transaction absolutely, positively takes place. Now, here is the unpleasant part. The one who does not remain in Yeshua is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And that imagery may hark back to the parallel in Ezekiel 15, where a vine failing to produce fruit is said to be good for nothing but thrown in the fire. That sounds like something we don't want to consider. But let me tell you something. There's a very easy solution to that is that in this whole imagery, and you realize that parables are, you know, they're not exact as far as, in the, they give a, present an image of what God's trying to convey through a way that we might perhaps better understand. There's not a, a line-for-line parallel. So in this case, we, the branch, choose to attach to the vine. Now, most branches don't choose to attach. But in our case, we choose to attach to the vine. So we don't have to fear of being thrown away and burned. We simply need to attach. So abide means to hold fast, adhere to Yeshua's teaching, obedience to his commands, as some have said. It also entails a growing, hear this, absorption of Yeshua's teaching in one's understanding and life practice. Let me, let me ask you this simple question. Has Yeshua's teaching changed the way you lived your life? If it, if it doesn't change the way you live your life, then something's wrong. Okay? It is meant to change our understanding and our life practice. That issues in the bearing of much fruit in one's own character. Has your character Are you a character or do you have character? One's relationships, how are they with other believers? How is your relationships? How about outreach to those outside the faith? How are you with that? Are you concerned, passionate about telling them the truth about God? Here, let me tell you, if you're in this room, friends, and you don't have a personal relationship with the Messiah, you're missing out. There's something missing in your life that cannot be filled by any other thing. Not drugs, not alcohol, not any vice you could name. Only fulfilled in Yeshua. Because of this growing conformity to Yeshua's teaching, obedient believers will be effective in their prayers since these will be uttered in accordance with God's will. Conformity to Yeshua's teaching in all areas of life, prayer specifically. Here's my thought on prayer, very simple. A prayerless believer is an unconnected believer. How can we say we're connected and we don't pray? Obedience, worship, fellowship, outreach to the lost. These are Yeshua's teachings. When you realize that these things are the very heartbeat of God, so to abide in him and have his spiritual DNA running through our veins then we being connected and abiding in him will also practice these things with regularity. What if I told you that I loved music? Yet, I never listened to music. Never played music. Never talked about music. Never went to a concert. And always turned the music down or turned it off every time that I was around it. One might conclude that I don't love music as much as I say I love music. 
When we first got married, I told my wife, Carol, I love blueberries. So as a good wife, every shopping trip had several baskets, little bunch, you know how they come, little baskets of blueberries that I would ignore every week. I wouldn't eat a single solitary blueberry. And she would keep buying the blueberries. And she was obviously doing most of the eating of the blueberries. And she came, to, then she would start to say, well, Michael, I thought you liked blueberries. And what I really, I guess I failed to, to, to say it properly, is I liked blueberry pie. <laughs> now, blueberry pie, I really like, you know, with all the sugar and the nice crusty deliciousness. And man, can you go for a piece now with the ice cream on it? Now that, yes, I love blueberry pie. But I guess blueberries, maybe not so much since I never ate them. So the truth is, when we take that into the kingdom, we say we love God, yet no desire to pray, no desire for the word, twist our arm to worship, don't want to obey his commandments. All the things that the kingdom are about really don't do it for us. one might get the wrong idea. Someone might conclude that we don't love God as much as we say we do. Because that's what God is about. The unbeliever loved to listen to Yeshua. how much more his own people. So the one who does not remain in Yeshua is not going to do that well. Think of it this way. The person who does not remain withers away. So do you feel like you are thriving or withering? That's a good question. I know it's a tough question, but it's a good question. It's just like the pruning process. Man, I really don't want that branch to go, God. kind of like that little thing I had happening there. But God's saying, no, I want to take it off so that you could thrive. Let me ask you this question. Answer it in your heart. Are you withering or are you thriving? There's no wrong answer. If you're withering, Connect. If you're thriving, keep going. And that brings me to my last point. What's God's goal in this? What do you think God's end game is? Does God have a big ego? He's just looking to have you, Ken, so needing him. No, he's not wanting that for that motive. The bottom line is the way he designed us, we do need him. It's just like when, you know, a husband and wife have a baby, right? What do you think would happen is if you just left the baby somewhere? The baby doesn't make it. The baby needs to be connected to the parent. Absolutely, positively needs In the same way, you and I absolutely, positively need God, and he knows that. And in doing so, this is his motive, so you can receive his love that you were designed to receive. But guess what? You cannot receive the love if you're detached. So God is saying, abide, remain. How many times? Count it up. See how many times he says it in this chapter. Abide, remain, stay connected, plugged in, don't leave. Over and over again because he knows he cannot get his love to you if we are not attached to him. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Do you know what? Many people 
believers that I know don't think God loves them. But yet when I talk to them, if you ask them, how is their spiritual life? Well, they really don't have a spiritual life. Well, then how do you know God doesn't love you? You don't give God an opportunity to love you. If you are disconnected, he cannot get his love to you. So this is what he says. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Why? Because those commandments were given to show you how to be and stay connected to God. I love that we do the Vahafta now. Because every week that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, there is nothing else in life that is more important than God first. Everything flows from that connection. Yeshua said it. What is the greatest? Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And he goes on to say it. First is God. It's the greatest commandment. Why? Because this is our entranceway into the life that you want to have but you don't have. The power to resist that you don't have. The power to overcome that you don't have. This is the way to that life. You know what? People want the American dream. I want to tell you, there's something better than the American dream. You know, the American dream, it's home ownership, having a couple of cars, right? That's the American dream. That's not the American dream. Are you kidding me? That's not a dream at all, actually. Right, Gary? As you have to replace this and that and repair and ah! Gary says, no, give me a condo. Because <laughs> <clears throat> that's no dream at all. Is it a blessing? Yeah, thank you, Lord. <sighs> thank you, Lord, as I do the lawn. Thank you, Lord, as I repair the... Know what the blessing is? Know what the dream is? It's to love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's how you enter into the dream of God. Because he'll give you everything you were designed to have. We all would agree that God's love, that God loves us, but that doesn't always mean that people will receive his love since it's contingent on us abiding or staying connected to him. God's love flows through the vine into the branches, period. The disciple must remain in Yeshua, in particular in his love, by obeying his commands. The vine metaphor illustrates the close-knit relationship that Yeshua desires with his disciples. See, too often we think of God's love like an earthly love. That it's like kisses and, um, you know, it's like smooches and hugs. That's not the way God loves us. God loves us, remember what I said earlier, by teaching us how to live our life in a way that will benefit us. Listen, it's great to smooch your kids and hug them, but at the end of the day, you have to teach them the way to go. And I'll tell you what. If parenting isn't continual teaching, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I look at my wife. I feel like I'm a teacher in the schoolroom 24-7, teaching and teaching and teaching. Okay, do it this way. No, you got to do it that way. Dad, how come, you know, they come to you with problems. And again, you're teaching them and showing them. It's constant teaching. How am I really showing my love for my kids? By teaching them in the way they should go. So they could have a blessed life. Teaching, teaching. God is so rich in mercy and loves us with with such intense love that even when we were dead because of our acts of disobedience, he brought us to life. 
through the Messiah. It is by grace that you have been delivered. Man, I am the vine, says Yeshua. I am the vine. I am the attachment point point for you to have a great fruitful life. It's not the world. It's not a job you think you should have or the perfect family you think you should have or the spouse you think you should have. It is me, he said. I am the way to a fruitful and fulfilled life. Nothing else, no one else. We need to get that. But you know what? Unfortunately, mankind is slow and stubborn. And we like to tell God, no, God, the way to a fruitful life is for me to have. And we tell God what we think we need to have. You know, God, you know, God's a gentleman. God loves us. This is what God says. All right. We need to have it. Have it. (laughs) Really, I mean, God, you need to have it. Have it. Tell me how it works out. Then we have it, and we, "Mm, yes. You ever do that? I do this. I think I want to eat something, right? And I'll eat something, and I'll say, that wasn't it. You ever do that? It's not doing it for me. And I'll have something else. And I wish it was blueberry pie. It's not, usually. (laughs) And I'll... That's not any of them. Maybe, maybe a chip. Not the chip. Maybe a little ice cream. Not the ice cream. It's just, it's nothing satisfying until you hit the right little thing. That's what I was looking for. In a spiritual sense, we do that with God. We search all these different things. And at the end of the day, they don't satisfy. The only point that really satisfies. Why are so, people, so many people happy in worship? Friend, I've seen it for years and years, and your people come dragging in, miserable. They want to, you know, they're fit to be tied times 20. You know, their countenance is like, who did it and ran? You know, they're miserable. They come, they plop it down in the seat. They give a little tattoo, a little da-da, the D. The music starts. They, all right, let me start saying a little By the end of the service, a transformation. Why is that? There's one reason why that is. Is they somewhere in the process they chose to connect to God. And when you connect to God, good things happen. So that's why he says continually in this passage, abide, remain, stay connected in me. Because if you could stay connected to God's love, you will be able to fulfill his command to love other people. Because you know what God is looking... Let me ask you a question. How well do you love? That's part of it. How well do you love? How well do you love your spouse? How well do you love your family? How well do you love others? Do you love others well? Yeshua came and modeled absolute 100% fruitfulness for us. Know what he did? He loved people well. Everything he did was motivated by love for people. Matter of fact, you think think of the time when they were going on vacation. Not a bad place to vacation, by the way. The Sea of Galilee. Very nice place to vacation. (laughs) So they're going to go to the other side of the lake and have a little R&R, a little respite. But the people, because they were so hungry to hear Yeshua and be around him, said, we're going to hijack his vacation. We're going to go on the other side of the lake and hunt him down. And the disciples said, oh, man, should I tell him to go away? You need a little rest, Yeshua. And he said, no, no, have him come. Because he was interested in loving others well. He was willing to be inconvenienced to love others. How well do you love others? 
C.S. Lewis wrote this. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him good, if you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. What is he saying? Go out and love people well. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. Go out and love people well. This is what we as humans really want, don't we? At the end of the day, we want to be loved. Women want the love of the man, which they should have, but only first if they really know the love of God. Because the truth is, the supreme love that we all need stems from him. And if we marry someone who has a similar love for God, then we will experience the love of God in human form to some degree. But the idea is that first and foremost, all of us have the basic need to receive God's love. We cannot receive his love detached from him. So if we want to experience love, then we must abide in God through Yeshua. There is no other way. There is no other way. So, in conclusion, as we have looked at these I am statements in Yochanan's Besorah, we clearly conclude that Yeshua is everything to people who really want to live an abundant life filled with meaning and purpose. He's everything to us. He's the resurrection, the life. He's the bread. He's the gate. He's the vine. He's the shepherd. He's everything. Friend, don't be deceived into thinking or buying what the world tries to sell you. Friends, if you were an athlete, and over the past two weeks, remember those athletes? Did you have anyone watching the Olympics? Loving the Olympics. Big fan. And they're taking those gold medals, putting it in their teeth. Can I tell you, at the end of the day, when they take that medal and they put it on a shelf somewhere and it collects dust, it's a singular accomplishment. Yeah, it's great, nice. But it doesn't really change your life. Yeshua changes our life. The decision is ours. Will we make Yeshua the great I am of our life? You know, as I thought of that phrase, I think of what Joshua did with Israel. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will you make Yeshua the great I am of your life? If you do, this is what I can tell you. He'll never disappoint you. You'll experience love and grace and favor. Yeah, things won't be easy. Pruning still hurts. But he wants you to grow. He wants you to get to that place uh, Will you enjoy the abundant life in him? And it could be yours if you say yes. So let's take a second. Bow your hearts. Remember we talked about, this is what I love about God. We could assess ourselves. How are we doing in the fruit department? Are we attached to the vine the true vine? Are we somewhat attached? Or are we detached? This is the only time in world history that the branch gets to decide whether it would like to be connected to the vine. No other branch has that privilege except you and I. And if you decide and conclude for yourself 
that you are lacking in fruitfulness. All you have to say is, God, I want to be attached to the true Van Yeshua. That's all you have to say. And then you remain in him by following his teachings. Not just reading his teachings, but following his teachings. And when you follow his teachings, your life will be forever transformed. It will begin to bear fruit, fruit that will remain. So let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. God, you look upon each one here, God, with such compassion and love. Lord, that you desire each one, each and every person here that is so valuable to you. God, and you so desperately want each of us to be abiding in the true vine of Yeshua. Yet, Lord, you've designed it where you will not force us to do anything we do not want to do. So, God, I ask, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, that you would grace us with an extra measure of chesed and rachamim. Lord, that we would allow ourselves to say yes to you. Yes, Lord Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel who loved me so much that gave his life for me, that I will be connected to you, the true vine. I will follow your commands and bear fruit for your kingdom and live a fulfilled and fruitful life. If you're in this room and you say, God, I want to take you up on that offer, just tell him now. Between you and him, just tell him now. Say, yes, Lord. Lord, I'm tired of the barrenness. I'm tired of being dry. I'm tired of being joyless and loveless. And all the things that Go along with that. God, I'm tired of it. Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want to have joy inexpressible and full of glory. God, I want to live my life in you, Lord, where I feel fulfilled and have a sense of purpose that only you could give. Lord God, I want to have a family, Lord God, centered around your word that is happy and and joyous and, Lord, encouraging one another. that's you, say yes, God. Lord, I want to remain in you. Father, I pray for each one here, God, for those who are making that decision right now. God, that you would do something supernatural in their life. Father, we thank you, God, that you love us so much that you care about us, God, to tell us, to show us, Lord, what we need to do in order to have a life that we will truly enjoy having. Father, speak to hearts, change their lives today, and empower them to live for you, and we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Yeshua, I am. Disciples said, I found him. The one of whom the prophet spoke. I found him. And that day his life was changed. I found him. The one that will connect me to God like no other. That's what's at stake today. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you 
his shalom. Father, I pray, Lord God, that your people would truly experience and live in the sweet shalom of heaven. God, that they would be filled with life and joy, that you would bless them and heal them this week in Yeshua's name. God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom.